Father, as we come once again to your word and we uh, look again at uh, what Jesus had to say to his disciples in the resurrection, we ask that you would uh, guide our eyes, our hearts, our minds uh, to him. We might know him better. That in knowing him, we might um, have a better knowledge of ourselves and a greater appreciation of who you are as our creator, God. We pray that you would be glorified in all we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're, we're ending the series uh, looking at Jesus' words after the resurrection. Um, uh, I'm not sure where we're going from here next week. Uh, we'll have a guest speaker, and then uh, the week after that, we'll start a summer series. Uh, a lot of great suggestions. Uh, we're, we're still kind of weighing what I can do in the summer. Um, some of the ideas might carry through to the, to the fall and the winter uh, as we get there, um, but we'll figure all of that out. We're going to be in John chapter 21, and this is a moment that John is the only writer that records. And remember, we talked about last week that the Gospel of John is written to those second and third generation believers, those, those young Christians who had not been there when Jesus when Jesus had walked on the on the earth, they had they had heard from the apostles and from the teachers of the church, but they are they're having to believe without having seen, and it seems like uh, it, there's a there's an element that John wants to bring up about Simon Peter in particular. Now we can't really sit there and go, what was the real motivation for this? Can we can't sit there and say, well, this is why John wrote this. But it seems like John includes this because he's writing his gospel after Simon Peter has died. In fact, he's probably writing his gospel after all of the other apostles had died. And so there's, a, there's an element at the very end of the, of the gospel. Uh, there's an interchange that, that kind of deals with that. But we're going to look at just in chapter 21. I'm actually going to read the whole chapter, and I know I don't usually do that, but I want to get the whole context of everything that's happening. And it's going to take just as long for me to tell you the story, so I might as well just read it to you uh, from the Gospel of John. So beginning in chapter 21 and verse 1, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, why not? We'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the, came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, I love that statement, because that means Peter jumped in the water, started swimming, and they got there at the same time. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. 
So Simon Peter went aboard, and he hauled the net ashore, and full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to them the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress and carry you wherever you do not want to go. This he said to him to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during supper. And he said, Lord, and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this guy? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but it is my will that he remain until I come. What is that to you? This is that disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every, one, were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So, after Jesus has appeared twice in the upper room through locked doors and shown himself to be real and alive and physically resurrected, Peter went fishing. And he goes fishing at night, and he doesn't catch anything. And at no point during that night does anyone say, this feels familiar. <laughs> and then in the morning, as the sun is beginning to break, and, and the Sea of Galilee is a, is a pretty flat, um, pretty big lake. Um, and so you can get, imagine how beautiful sunrise is. As the sun's beginning to break, there's a guy off the shore. Now, they couldn't have been very far offshore because he's calling to them. He's speaking to them. The, the scriptures later say they're only about 100 yards away when, when uh, Peter jumps in the water. So Jesus calls them, and for some reason, they still don't get that Jesus is doing this stuff. They don't understand until they catch the fish, and John goes, hey, this has happened before. Then, Jesus, then Peter jumps in the water, he runs, they meet Jesus, and Jesus gives them breakfast. And it's, it's interesting to me, 
um, in kind of a very low-level way that he shows up at breakfast. Now, the first thing that I got to tell you about Greek, because this is one of the great things about Greek. Greek actually has a whole word for eat breakfast. And in our language, you know, in English, we talk about eating breakfast, eating lunch, eating dinner. We just use the word eating. We very seldom say breakfasting. But to the Greeks, breakfast was a big deal, so it's got its own verb. Um, and so they're breakfasting. He, he, when they finished breakfasting, he starts to talk to them. And, and they finish up this meal, and then um, John is bookending his gospel, right? So if you go to the beginning of John, um, you find the apostles walking. Jesus comes walking along the shore, and they're following John the Baptist. And John the Baptist sends them to follow him. And here, at the end of John's gospel, they're off fishing, and Jesus comes walking along the shore, and of course his last words to them are, follow me. Um, and so there's this symmetry to John's gospel. But the, the disciples, they had seen Jesus. They had converted their disbelief to belief. But clearly there was something still missing in their journey with the resurrected Lord. Peter falls back on his old way of life because he doesn't know what else to do. Jesus is raised from the dead. He's appeared to them. But then Peter goes, so what do we do now? And left to his own devices, Peter will always Peter like no one can Peter. And he falls back on going fishing. He says, well, I don't know what else to do. Um, I might as well go fishing. Now, it's interesting that he does this because for three years, Peter has not been a fisherman. He doesn't own a boat. He doesn't have nets. So clearly, he must have gone back to his father's place and said and kind of borrowed one of dad's boats. Or we went to the, the house of James and John because their father was a fisherman. They were cousins. Um, one way or the other, he gets back on the boat, and he's out of practice. He thinks he doesn't catch any fish because he's out of practice. I mean, obviously, that's got to be the problem. Um, and I think it's fascinating, again, in a little low-level way, that Jesus tells the fish to be anywhere but Peter, the left side of Peter's boat. You think about that. I mean, I just, in my mind, I just see Peter throwing the net over the left side because that's the side they're supposed to throw and all the fish swimming on the right side. And then Jesus finally says to Peter, throw it on the right side. All right, boys, get the nets. Let's all carry them over the right side and they catch all these fish. What's going on with the disciples that Jesus needs to show up one more time? They, what's going on with Simon Peter? And there's a little bit of unresolved business with Peter that Jesus is going to resolve in his conversation. Now, this has been preached to death. People preach about the, the three times that Jesus uh, asks Peter, do you love me? And then tells him to, to feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, uh, lead, feed my sheep. And Peter uh, actually evokes this in, in the book of Second Peter, he, or First Peter. He brings this back up. In First Peter, he talks about shepherding the flock of the Lord. He, he never forgets this moment. But what does a fisherman know about sheep? I mean, 
why didn't Jesus, I mean, Jesus started the whole thing with Peter with the fishing metaphor, right? He meets Peter, he says, follow me and you will be fishers of men. And Peter goes, I understand that. That's easy to understand. I can get behind this fishers of men. But now Peter's going to shepherd my sheep. I want to kind of take you through what I think is happening here. One of the problems that Peter has, that Jesus resolves here, is that he doesn't know how to be loved by Jesus. And I've purposely kept the conversation about belief and faith for the last six weeks. Because I, I, so often we, we push love to the, to the foreground. And, and in order to be loved by Jesus, we've got to believe him. We've got to follow him. I mean, and I don't mean he loves the world, not like that. But I mean loved like a friend, like, a, like, a, like he's talking about with, with Peter here. Peter doesn't, know, Peter doesn't know how to be loved by Jesus. Not that he doesn't know how to love Jesus, he doesn't know how to be loved by Jesus. See, Jesus was slowly transforming Peter. He took a, a fisherman, right? And he turned him into a disciple. Not a particularly good one, but a disciple. Then he took a disciple and he, he led him to be all kinds of things, a miracle worker and a missionary. And, and Peter is involved in all kinds of it. He takes him up to the, the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter is able to see uh, Jesus in his glory, and of course then blows that conversation. But Jesus takes him to be a fisherman, he brings him to be a disciple, and then Peter, despite all of his bravado, despite all of his professions, despite his, his, his willingness to say, Jesus, we'll go wherever you go, in fact, and despite his willingness to carry a sword to the Garden of Gethsemane, when the rubber hits the road, the disciple became a denier. And we read in the Gospels that Peter, that, that broke Peter's heart when he realized he had denied Christ. And so the fisherman became a disciple, the disciple became a denier, and the denier, even after Jesus appeared to him, went right back to being a fisherman. And so Jesus shows up to push Peter out of his comfort zone, out of his fallback, to finish Peter's transformation. And he says to Peter three times, Do you love me? Because if you loved me, you would feed my sheep. You would not be a fisherman, you would be a shepherd. Peter was struggling. He was willing to, be, to, willing to love Jesus, but didn't know how to be loved by Jesus. He didn't know how to become the thing that Jesus wanted him to become. So he fell back on what was comfortable. He fell back on what was easy. Until Jesus comes along and gives him a little shove in the backside. And pushes him out the door. He takes Simon and he turns him into Peter. He takes somebody floating on the water and turns him into the rock. He takes a loudmouth and he turns him into a preacher. 
He takes an ignorant Galilean and he turns him into an eloquent apostle. And I think it all turns on this conversation. Why does Jesus ask Simon three times? Well, obviously because Simon Peter denied Jesus three times, right? So he has to push back each layer of the armor that Simon Peter has built up on whether Jesus could actually forgive him, whether Jesus could actually love him after he had denied. Uh, Jesus has to constantly be repeating to him, this is what you're going to do, this is what you're going to be, for it to get through Peter's dense skull that Jesus wasn't done with him. Because I think that was Peter's problem. I think Peter thought, I made a mistake, I blew it, it's over, Jesus appeared to me, raised from the Lord, I'll believe him, it's great, but I have blown this. I'm just going to be a fisherman who believes in Jesus the rest of my life. And Jesus shows up to say, Peter, I'm not done with you. I'm the one who told you you were going to deny me. I already knew. I'm not finished with you. Where does he bring Peter? I just want to give you a couple of things that I think he brings Peter through. I think, first of all, he brings Peter through his misconceptions of what it means to be loved by Christ. We have all of these interesting theories about what it means to be a believer. All of these interesting ideas and books about what it means to be a church, to be a, a pastor, to be a, to be a, a Christian husband, to be a, a follower of Christ, to be a disciple. There's all these modern definitions of it. There are all these steps and programs and curricula and, and ideas and you can spend more money on books on how to follow Jesus than Jesus probably spent in his entire life. And so much of, of our pursuit of being a disciple comes from the point of view that somehow I have to do whatever it is that Jesus likes so that he will love me. I have to fill in the blanks of whatever it is that a good Christian is so I can be loved by Jesus. And yeah, 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 I know God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I know that whole deal. God has to love me because I'm in Jesus. But not only does, do I have to get past this idea that Jesus loves me sometimes, I mean, for me at least, I have to get past the idea that Jesus actually likes me. With all my quirky, odd behaviors and weirdness and inconsistencies and failures, how could Jesus ever love me? And Jesus pushes Simon Peter through these three layers of love to break down what Peter's, all of Peter's boundaries and, and, and issues so that Peter can actually admit that he is loved. We love to sing that Jesus loves us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the rest of the song. I haven't sung it in like 30 years. We love to think about that. We don't like the idea that the Jesus who loves Peter tells Peter, um, you're going to die an old man in a lot of pain. That was Jesus loving Peter. Yay. 
Jesus pushing Peter to say, I love you so much, I can't leave you on this fishing boat. Instead, I'm going to push you, I'm going to drive you, I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit out of you, out on you. You're going to be imprisoned a couple of times. You're going to, uh, you're going to be taken to places you don't want to go. You're going to eventually wind up at the executioner's stall. And tradition says that Peter was crucified because of this statement here. But Peter had to get past his own definition of what it meant for Jesus to love him. Why did Peter go fishing? Because Jesus was done with him. Jesus wasn't done with him. And then Peter has to let go of the fishing nets for once and for all. We all have our fallbacks. We all have those things we drop back on when the Jesus thing isn't working for us. Whether we do it or not, they sit in our minds. We all have our, our sometimes unconscious uh, fallback strategies. COVID has made me contemplate some of my fallback strategies. Not about my following Christ, but more along the lines of Things like eating vegetables and uh, exercising. And get back into those fallback strategies. And it's okay if I eat ice cream four times a day because COVID. It's a, you know, we, we, we all have our fallbacks and that sometimes we drift into those fallbacks. And with, with John, or with Peter, he's falling back, right back into the life he was in before. Yeah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, he's a disciple. He did his thing. He did his three years. Jesus raised from the dead. He believes him, but he's falling back on this. And, and Peter is never going to fish again. He has to completely abandon the identity he had before Jesus. He's, we're never going to see, we never even see Peter in a boat again. Every time he shows up in the book of Acts, he's, he's either in somebody's house or in prison. He had to let go of the fishing nets. There was no more falling back on what he knew. There was no more trying to go back. There was no more trying to uh, reclaim the past because when we're following Christ, it is, it is always forward. It is always moving. It is always toward him. And I just, I'll lay it out this way. We all know that there are comfortable ways to do this Jesus thing. We all have the I go fishing mode of following Christ. 
You are called, chosen, and loved to be extraordinary and radical followers of Christ. And somewhere along the line in our lives, individually, in the church, corporately, in our families and our homes, we lose sight of the calling that Jesus has on us and we climb back into the boat and we go fishing. And often we don't even realize we're doing it. I am not personally a fan of nostalgia. I'm not a nostalgic person. My sisters always talk about going home, meaning Pennsylvania and New Jersey. I have zero desire to go home. I, I am not a collector of memorabilia. Oh, remember when we did this? We have this and this and this and this. If I haven't seen it for a few years, it either goes back in the box or in the trash. This is my personality. I want to always be moving forward. Now, as Christians, just give you this question. What's your fallback and how often do you fall into it? When Christianity gets too hard, when you don't feel loved, when you, you think, oh, well, you know, this thing's not working for me, what do you fall back on that gives you comfort and ease and kind of gives you a nostalgic, oh, I remember when this and isn't it great? And how often do you fall back on it? And what would it take to forever leave behind those nets? We can choose a path of comfort. We can choose the boat. Or we can choose Christ, but we can't choose both. Peter couldn't feed sheep from a boat. I don't know if you know how agriculture works. Sheep do not like water. But he was called to follow, to feed the sheep. What are you called to do? And what boat needs to be left behind? What comfortable thing has to be blown apart in the presence of Christ? Let's pray. Father, Help us to follow Jesus. We get so wrapped up in our own ideas of what things are. Spend all night in the boat where we don't belong. 
get so lost in our ability and our inability to know and feel and see your love on us. We cut the edges off of our faith. We make it manageable. We make it easy. But you called us to the cross. You called us to something radical. You called us to something that is makes in, in our journey with you causes stumbling. Father, help us to know Jesus' love to break free from our fallbacks and follow Him no matter where He takes us and feed His sheep no matter where we have to go and what we have to do. Jesus, we pray this because we are Your disciples. Not just spectators, but participants in the kingdom. Holy Spirit, make it so.